0: Hello and welcome to the grand experiment known as Connectivity, Episode 8. In this episode, we're going to start out with some news discussion between myself, Andy, and Zach. We'll get in a lot of uh, your questions and feedback and such in there. And then after that, Neil and Scott spend about a half an hour talking about Skyward Sword and its connection to the rest of the Zelda franchise.
1: Sitting here with Mr. Mike Sklens and Zachary Miller. What's up, guys? Not much. Hey, not a lot. We're gonna do what we do best, and that's talk about the weekend news since uh, since last week. Not a lot's happened. We've had we've had, a, had a few things, largely uh, Zelda related, actually. But and then we're gonna kind of touch back on a few topics we we went over last week. We we're gonna really just burn it to the ground with all, with this whole game pricing nonsense. We got some really good listener mail, and there was some really good talk back on last week's uh, show thread. So I think we're going to read some of that in this episode and uh, respond to it. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Um, The first story this week is actually a Europe-specific story. Uh, Europe is getting a badass new uh, Zelda-themed 3DS.
0: Yeah, I almost Um, – I've held out on getting a couple Nintendo systems in the past. Like, I never got... I didn't get an SP right away. I waited out to get a GBA SP because I figured, well, I'll wait. I'll get one for Christmas. Oh, and you know, every Christmas, Nintendo releases some crazy special color like Mario Edition or whatever. And they released a version of the GBA SP that came with, like I think, a Donkey Kong Country game of some sort. And it came in, like, neon lime green. And I love it. Oh, yeah. Like, I got that. I love that SP. I... It's so unique looking and they always do special stuff like that. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, there's not a lot of 3DS games I want. Maybe I'll uh, hold out and wait for like a special Zelda themed, uh, Zelda themed -themed 3DS or something. And then I thought, nah, I'll just buy it. And now they come out with this thing that looks like, though I was hoping for an all gold one, but this black one with gold like filigree is pretty nice looking.
1: It looks really nice. It's going to come out on November 25th in Europe only. I don't, quite understand why we don't get it over here in the States, but that's just another another question to throw to Reggie when you, when you corner him at a restaurant someday. <laughs> um, maybe we will get it. I mean, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world if they put this out over here eventually, but especially since it's it's being built as a 25th anniversary system, and there ain't much time left for that, so yeah. if you got to do it, now would be the time, I suppose. Um, it comes bundled with the uh, Ocarina of Time 3D, which is a game that I beat today, by the way. It's, uh, such a yet? great game. No, I, 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 it was a slow burn for me. I, I kind of put a lot of hours into it, like when I first got it, and then set it down for a really long time. Oh, okay. I think I didn't play it for a good month and a half to two months, and then finally I was like, you know what, game is fun, Zelda. So I picked it back up and started playing <laughs> it again. Um, I kind of, I kind of wanted to com- like game fack it and like get everything, but that. Yeah,
0: I haven't really. Well, I played that... a lot of Zelda two, and then I just stopped.
1: The desire to complete the entire thing 100% fell short pretty quick when I realized that I could just beat the game and be done with it. Also, part of that is I'm getting um, the review copy. or I'm I'm borrowing Neil's review copy of Skyward Sword effective tomorrow, I hope, if the post office is nice to me. And I wanted to wrap up Ocarina before I even started. Let me me
2: know if it's worth it.
1: I saw a video um, on
0: Kotaku today, a little thirty-second video of just like scenery in the game and how they made it look like a French impressionist painting, and I was like, "Shit, this looks really pretty."
1: I'm excited about it. Like i I'm kind of I'm kind of done with any Zelda fatigue that I had been had been lingering for a little while there, and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to try to power through the entire thing in about a week, week and a half. So, it's funny looking back fun. at
0: Zelda too. I, always, I I was thinking a lot when I was playing it about how. I gave Everyone, up like, on really, that shit, by the way. A lot of people... Yeah, I gave up on it. I, did, I just gave up on it not because I kept dying. I just sort of stopped like six temples in. I just haven't done the seventh and eighth temples. Um, but it's kind of funny to me. Everyone like really shits on Zelda 2. It gets a lot of hate. But it is the most similar to the modern Zelda games of all the old Zelda games. Yeah. I the way the overworld the and the dungeons is. work. But see, it's still got that top-down perspective that makes it a little different. Sure, sure. That like you can't
2: jump. Right. No, well, I get I get what you mean.
1: Well, in other Zelda 3DS news, they they announced or I'm not sure if it was actually announced. I'm going to go read the news story real quick to find out for sure. Um there is a new 3DS game in the Zelda series coming out sometime, but they haven't actually said anything about it at all really. They've just basically confirmed that yes, we shock will, indeed of all be shocks, there will be making a Zelda game on the 3DS. Do you uh, think they'll make another a... Metroid game? I don't know, guys. Yeah, someday. Probably. Well, on maybe something. not. Uh, Numa said it's not a direct sequel to the previous Zelda titles, but it's going to feature a lot of what has been done on previous consoles. So, big shock, it's a Zelda game with a lot of elements of previous Zelda games. <laughs> well, I think he it's also important d-
0: that he said that it's going to take stuff from consoles, which means it's going to be more similar to something like Ocarina or Twilight Princess oh, yeah. than it is to something like point. Minish Cap or, or something like that. Or Phantom Hour shit. Yeah. Or f-
2: yeah. I, never I, played, yeah
0: I, I I literally never even touched Minish Cap.
1: Minish I would Cap love is good. Another,
0: uh, I don't really like top-down Zelda. I I hate to be the guy to decry it, but I much prefer... Maybe that's why I ended up liking Zelda 2 more than I thought I would, because it's not really top-down. It's, you know, the action is all side-scrolling.
1: You know, I've I mentioned this in the podcast, but it's been a really long time. I When I first joined staff, one of the first month that i was there i decided to like replay the entire series from front to back including the handheld versions and uh i got really really burned out in the by the time i got to the oracle games i was so done Uh. playing that kind of a game and but but then i jumped over to ocarina and majora and i fell back in love with it so i think i think i'm pretty much never going to play a top-down zelda game again (laughs) at least not for a long time like those Ocar- or Links Awakening and the two Oracle games are so incredibly similar that I I think I I think I finished Oracle of Seasons, but Oracle of Ages was just not going to happen. I just Ages was the one I interested. had. I
0: just I
2: couldn't. I don't know. Did you get Links Awakening on the eShop?
1: No, because I had just played it a year or two ago. Oh okay. And I you know I I played Minish Cap, but I also remember that Minish Cap took a lot of took a lot of energy it did. more than more, more energy thing. than a Zelda game should. Yeah, the Kinstone thing, I I didn't really love the shrinking part of it, I don't know. Um so I'm kind of yeah, I I also much prefer the 3D Zelda games and I'm kind of glad that this new Zelda should be more like those than say the Oracle games. Um Anuma also mentioned that they're considering he, him and him and Miyamoto are considering putting out a remake of Major's Mask.
0: Well, something hope um, they do, because I never really played much of it. Yeah, I I am, I'm
1: a big fan of Majora's Mask. I know that it's a polarizing title, but I, I kind of feel like, honestly, they have the assets done. How hard can it be to just take the assets from Ocarina of Time 3D and plug those into Majora's Mask? Because, honestly, that's, like, most of the work right there. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much time has to go into, like, 3D-izing it, but I'd like to believe that's largely just built into the engine and they could port that engine over to over to Majora I would hope. Yeah. Um yeah, I, would, I mean it should I'd, be I'd pretty it
0: easy to do which basically should mean like you know should be able to print money with it. So
1: and Majora is also kind of built more into like chunks. It's a, it's a, it's a easier game I think to put on a handheld because there's a lot more preset time segments I guess if that makes sense. That's right. The whole game everything's everything's built yeah, everything's built into these these um, 3 days of play time and you could play through a day and then close your close your DS and come back to it come back come back to it later. I think those kinds of games are easier to put on a handheld than yeah. games that you know, open ended games that you could play for a long time. But uh I mean I'd love to see a Majors Mask remake and it seems like they're pretty seriously considering it. And the only reason they're not putting it out right away is because they don't want to do two remakes in a row. So Yeah, and they need
0: more content, like that's obvious. And if this is an easy way to get content that will sell well, like why not do it?
1: I feel like there's a lot of real estate in the idea of that creepy ass moon coming right at you.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely. I'm um, I'm I'm down with that. I say I say go for it, Nintendo. I know I'll I'll stop yelling at you for doing remakes if you do that particular remake. There you go. Speaking of Zelda again, we're still on <laughs> the same same topic. Zelda so. never uh, really there died. Is... <laughs> <laughs> There is a uh, Zelda 25th anniversary concert heading to Dallas in 2012 and it's the start of the 2012 tour apparently and I'm not sure how many stops that tour is going to be but um tour you got to figure the, uh... it's at least 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. They're playing in Dallas on uh, January 10th and uh you can actually get tickets for a 15% discount if you are a Club Nintendo member so that's kind of cool. Um I would love to go to one of these, but my the chances of them, you know, going coming to Des Moines, Iowa, are fairly low, and I will not be able to travel for a little while due to, uh, you know, children and whatnot. Um, I'm excited about it. We actually children. Had a,
0: are you having twins?
1: Well, no. <laughs> I'm 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 calling it. I'm calling my one child a children. Uh, <laughs> sure. We actually had a listener, Ad- Adolf Veda, Vega, our uh, frequent contributor, uh, offered to uh to give us a couple of. Th- very brief 3d clips from his 3ds because uh, he's, he's actually headed to the concert in, in Dallas and that's, that's excellent. So we, we look forward to seeing your 10 second 3d clips.
2: I'm sorry uh, you had to go
1: to Dallas at Adolf. You might be from Dallas. I don't know. Oh,
2: okay. I'm sorry you live in Dallas,
1: Adolf. I've never been to Dallas. I've only been to Austin and it was okay.
2: It's Texas.
1: Texas is Texas. Yeah that's all we got for zelda this week but we do have a little bit of listener mail um zach you want to you want to read this sure to, let me grab
2: my glasses here
1: it's hefty it's we're looking at three four paragraphs
2: a big old letter all right here we Come. go this is from shaman frequent forum contributor hello connectivity team it's team connectivity damn it um i'm digging the new format and it's, it's cool connectivity
1: Connectivity. Done.
2: <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I'm digging the new format, and it's cool that we get to hear from more of the staff at NWR. As it pertains to news discussion from episode 7, I have to say that I'm not getting Resident Evil Revelations, but that's because I don't give a shit factor about RE games. I wouldn't have gotten it for $40, and the fact that it costs the same as Skyward Sword means there's no freaking way I'm getting it now. Although I hate how everything in gaming comes down to an East-West debate, Really? It does? The pricing of handheld gaming is one of one thing that is legitimately an East-West issue. Eastern developers, Capcom especially, get away with charging premiums for handheld game games in their home country because they're bigger than consoles. They're charging 5,800 yen for Revelations and charging 5,800 for Monster Hunter 3D on the PSP, or third on the PSP, which as of the time of this email is a little over $74. Damn! Uh, Given the weakness of the U.S. dollar and the British pound, someone called the stonecutter's stat, Japanese publishers have to sell at a higher price to make the same profit. Western developers, who have more influence from phone gaming, are less inclined to charge premiums for games on dedicated handhelds, since it's more of a fifth priority for them behind the HD PC Trio, XBLA, PSN, and phone OSs. There you go. Yeah, seventy-four friggin' dollars. My God, how does anyone that, that's game not over really, there?
0: I mean, that's not really true, though. I mean, I mean, yes, that's what it is, but like, you know, you can't just give it a straight dollar conversion because the economies work differently.
1: Well, yeah, the con- you're you're missing the context if you just convert it over right away. Yeah,
0: but that's still a lot
1: of money. Absolutely. You know? I don't know. I. Uh... I
0: mean, you know, it's the, here's the thing. If you're gonna make games that require, like, that don't use optical media, like these DS games, they use you know flash memory. St- well, not f- they use flash memory storage? If you need more storage, the cartridge is gonna cost more money because there's more chips in it, or the chips are higher density. Right. It's just it's you know it's dollars and cents. If you want to make a game that needs more memory the cartridge is going to cost more to produce which means it's going to cost more for capcom to buy it which means th- that money's going to trickle down to the consumer and you're going to pay ten dollars more
1: it does
2: kind of suck though it does suck. I just, i'm just saying i still,
1: I still kind of stand by my comments that it, i don't feel like this should be a handheld game if that's the way it's going to be like i i don't know
0: Here's the point. Yeah, that's the thing. Is if they were going to make a game like this and put it out on a on a, you know or on a PSP or like just more simply, if the 3DS used optical media, it wouldn't matter. It would still fit on the optical media. Problem solved.
2: Right. Like yeah. it doesn't
0: cost any more to put more space on the optical disc. The disc is limited in how much space it can hold, but it holds so much that you never really run into the problem of filling it up.
2: Isn't the Vita going to have some proprietary uh, media form? I don't yeah, even but know the, how they're delivering like games on the Vita. Some, like, gigantic flash be, card or something? But the is Vita it?
1: also has a fair amount of built-in internal storage, and you can download the games if you want to. Oh, yeah. yeah. So are Vita games I mean, I'm not sure how that is going cartridges. to affect their... I don't
2: even know. Yeah. I'm just wondering I mean how many options it. you've got as far as media delivery. Physical media delivery.
1: You know, for handhelds, it's tricky. I mean... There's a good reason that the load times on the PSP were awful, and that's because they were trying to put, you know, a fully fledged disk, like optical disk drive in the handheld, and it kind of sucked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's why Nintendo's always gone. You know, they've always preferred cartridges because cartridges are instant. Yeah. Right. It's hardwired into the system. You know, you just plug in the connectors, and it's part of the computer. Right. Which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely appreciable. And optical drives on consoles are not a big deal at this point. You know, they kind of spin fast enough where it's not that big of a deal, and you could do a lot of pre-caching to get around and load times. And but yeah, on something like you know, handheld, you want it to be. It's got to be super quick because you have to, the the game has to be able to put itself in a save state as soon as you shut the lid.
2: Dude, when yeah, I'm on the true. shitter, I don't want the game
1: to load up as soon as I'm done. You want you don't want to have
2: the game to load while you're dropping a
0: load.
1: Is what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Well, we got some really good comments in the talkback thread from last week's episode because we spent, you know, a good 25 minutes last week with, um, with Scott. It was Neil or was it Scott? Um, my, my memory is shot, uh, talking about this exact thing. So let's go over some of these comments. Um, I'll read the first one It's from, uh, enter and enter says, Concerning the price of Resident Evil Revelations, is it a good or bad thing that the Western audiences hold portable games at such a lower value and to different expectations? Or is it just how the video game culture has formed for Western audiences and it is, the, and it is, it, it is unfortunate that there are different focuses in the Japanese video game industry? I would like to say that a great game is worth, an equally, is worth equally on whatever platform, but that is not true. I value portable console games lower and differently to PC and home console games.
0: Well, yeah. What do you guys think? How do you guys value, you know, a portable game versus a console game?
2: Well, I I think I said in that I responded in the thread last week and said that I think there's you know when Nintendo launched the Game Boy games were like thirty bucks. It back in nineteen what, eighty nine, eighty eight, and uh, and Something they've like stuck with that price pretty consistently up till the three DS. We on the DS every now and then something would creep out at like thirty yeah, 35 40. five or forty. Yeah, Like Pokemon like or something. Square like Taxi games, yeah, or big first yeah. party games where they know they can get away with it. But, but yeah. I think you know for twenty odd years, that became the norm. So now that they're charging forty dollars for games, I think that's why there's such a backlash because people are saying, like me, are saying. Well, you got away with charging $30 for 20 years for all these other games. What What's going on here?
0: Here's an interesting question. If the Xbox and PlayStation 3 games are $60, that's market value for most games. Wii games are $50. If Wii games cost $60, would people be complaining about 3DS games costing 40
2: Yes, because
0: they'd be think complaining they would about Wii
2: games costing $60, well,
0: too. they would. Okay, yeah, I guess, that, that, that's, I guess that's kind of a separate discussion. I think, it's, I think the big difference is that it's now only $10 less than a Wii game. Oh, I see. If it was $20 less than a Wii game, you'd think, oh, well, yeah, because it's, you know, I'm paying, you know, that's, that's a fair price. It's $20 less than a console game because it's portable. But now it's only $10 less than a Wii game. Yeah. I Ocarina think... of Time for $40 is only $10 less than Skyward Sword. That kind of makes Ocarina of Time seem overly priced.
1: Well, I just feel like we're we're the the real root of the problem is that we're in the situation now where the the MSRP of games is based very little on the content of the game, the development yeah, cost right. of the game, the demand of the game. We have all these really like arbitrary static price points like 50 for Wii, 60 for Xbox, 30 for DS, 40 for 3. Like that's it seems like that's bullshit. I mean, I don't want to pay $40 for Frogger 3D, and yep. I'm happy to pay $40 well, for Well, was
0: Frogger 40
1: or 30 cuz a it lot of actually, the a lot of the
0: arcade, a lot of the more arcade 3DS games are coming out at a
1: more appropriate $30 price I point. I think Pac-Man and Galaga Dimensions was was I 40, think they were. I'm pretty sure. Was, was
0: that was was that one cartridge though?
1: Yes. That's how they go
2: So you'll to never see a first-party published game at $30 or $35. If anything, Probably the price not. will go up. Like
0: Pokemon. Yeah, when
2: Pokemon 3DS comes out, it'll be it'll be
0: forty five. Oh well, yeah. I mean,
1: say what you will about 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 the low prices of iOS games devaluing you know handheld content, but at least iOS games are sold based on merit. True. You know, if a game took a lot of development time and has high end visuals, it's at the high end of the price spectrum. Yeah. You know, if it's like not. Nintendo costs ten dollars and. Exactly. Angry Birds is
2: a buck. <laughs> oh, dude! Did I mean, you guys see that? Uh, um. Shantae came out on iOS. Yeah, so I downloaded yeah, it, and it's, no no it's two dollars there.
0: Yeah, but it has it's a virtual no D pad. I, I tried it; it's no good. Oh, I mean, that, I never played yeah. the original, but I played it. You know, I just played it on the iOS on the on my iPhone 4s, and it was just like mm, no. Wow. Well
2: maybe that yeah, explains it. It seemed like a good
0: difference. game, but it was just like it's not something even at oh, two dollars I want to play it well. I don't want to play yeah. you know, I don't I'm not I don't care if I'm paying thirty eight dollars less for it or twenty eight dollars less for it. I want it to play well still. Sure.
1: I just feel like the complaints about the Resident Evil price and you know being clo- too close to a console game. That's that would be irrelevant if we were if we lived in a world where things cost what they should and not what they do. I agree. Which I realize is a fantasy world because then we're all talking I mean, that's the way the economy Yeah, I mean, works. well
0: it's it's all the games have to be equally priced, otherwise I don't know. Like I feel like on some level games for a console do have to be basically the same price. They can't vary more than ten dollars, and the ten dollars is always ten dollars less, never ten dollars more. There's no seventy dollar games out there.
1: I almost wish the uh the pricing structure was more genre based than platform based. It should
0: be content based. If you have a game yeah. that is you are going to spend hours and, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on, it should accordingly cost more. Or a game like Uncharted, I will pay $60 for an Uncharted game. I will pay $60 for an uncharted game if they put one out every fucking month. Like, I don't care. <laughs> They're good as shit. Yeah. I don't the care Activision if it's Dragon's model. Lair. Like it's Dragon's Lair. I don't really care. Like you hit the buttons and Nathan Drake does something awesome. I don't really care. <laughs> it's really great. Ah, and it but looks the keyword is good. awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, and then but then the, then a week later, Just Dance comes out and it's only ten dollars less. Yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. I think Harmonix had the right idea. Rock Band Three came out. They put it out at sixty bucks, but within less than a year, they dropped it twenty dollars.
2: Well, that happens yeah. a lot. I mean, but with with my PS3 purchases, but, I will often just wait a few months and then the price will drop twenty, thirty bucks.
0: But Harmonix is in a little bit of a different situation because they are making money off DLC. They have built a market oh, around sure. DLC sure. to the point where they can sell like consoles are sold for a loss, so you can make money on selling games. Harmonix is doing the same thing. They're selling their game, maybe not for a loss, but they're not making much money off a twenty dollars copy of Rock Band Three. Yeah. yeah. But every time they sell it. Sell one of those, that's more money in DLC. And if you give someone a $20 game, they're going to be more apt to buy DLC because you have saved them $40. Uh-huh.
2: That's
1: very because true.
0: Because in a person's mind, all video games are $60 or at least maybe $40 or something like that. If you, if you sell them Rock Band 3 that's been out for less than a year for $20, bucks, they are like, oh, now I have a little more money to burn to support this game.
1: All right, Mike, why don't you read the uh, the last, last forum comment for us? Here's a message from
0: eJammer. Uh... Once you move outside of the twenty to thirty dollar range, uh, games become a much tougher purchase. Part of the reason i 'm not keen on buying any of the currently available three d s games at forty dollars. A game becomes a real investment for me and something that I need to feel confident I will enjoy and invest a considerable amount of time with. Oddly, there is no difference in my reluctance to pay forty or fifty though if i 'm confident enough that the game is worth forty it 's probably worth even it's probably worth even more to me. This is something I learned about in my marketing classes in college way back when. It's uh it's it's called a uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's like a psychological pricing point where like as you get up in prices, the difference between price A and price B can get greater. Oh. Like yeah. if I'm willing to pay $2 for something, I might not be willing to pay $3 for it. But if I'm sure. willing to pay $17 for it, I'm probably willing to pay 24 it's hmm. called like least noticeable price difference or something like that and you want to target your product at the highest end of that bracket
1: Yeah. I, because I read, if so, oh. if, so,
0: if if like if 80 if you price something at 18 or $17 and if you also priced it at $20 if 90% of those people would still pay 20 bucks guess what you should be charging 20 bucks instead
2: yeah that's what yeah. that is
1: yeah, I read something was sort of talking about the microtransaction price model once and they were basically it's talking about like the mental barriers of various yes. price points and how the biggest mental barrier is like literally at free or not free. Like an app that's free will out will will outsell an app that costs a penny a million times over just because there's no decision involved whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that's that's applicable. I mean, we're not we're not talking about free games here, but I think there's a lot of barriers along the way even if the most significant one is at zero um, Yeah, this is throughout. something
0: that um we I always end up talking about apple on these podcasts but this is something that apple has been very keen on and they're smart they realize 99 dollars is the mental price point for a song like dollars i'm sorry 99 cents 99 cents <laughs> yeah. is the mental price point for a song oh come on zach Harsh. that's cold that's cold but no i want to <laughs> i was going to relate this directly over to the eShop. nintendo can't get this through their skull You can't find anything on the eShop for less than two dollars.
1: No. Or a dollar ninety-nine. They don't realize
0: that ninety-nine cents is a psychological price point. So is ninety-nine dollars. If something costs $110 or ninety nine dollars, you're probably going to sell a shitload more of them if you just knock the ten dollars off and make it ninety nine bucks. Right, right.
1: It's not even that like you can't find anything cheaper than two dollars. It's that <laughs> the average games are five dollars and the good games are ten dollars. Right. Like There are no budget priced games on the download services. Yeah, Nintendo. and if you're looking on the virtual unless console, they're virtual console games.
0: If on the on the ha- on the eShop, you're looking at virtual console games are three to six bucks. It's ridiculous.
2: Can I can I bitch about Apple real quick? Go for it. Okay, my iPod is like seven years old. It's an iPod video. It's an 80 gig. It's got dust under the screen. It, it, you know, doesn't turn off sometimes. Sometimes it just freezes. It doesn't recognize when the computer is connected to it. It's just become a piece of shit. But I can't get an iPod that has a good amount of memory for less than $300. Well, I moved over to flash memory away from hard drives.
0: That's why that is. Really? Well, All the old iPods, like your iPod Video, that still has a click wheel on it, that's got a hard drive in it, right? But the new iPods, they don't sell iPod. I mean, I think they yeah, still but, sell the iPod Classic. I think you they can do sell the still iPod buy Classic it, and that costs two hundred
2: and fifty dollars,
0: right? But it holds a fucking insane amount of stuff. No, man. it's like
1: one
2: hundred and sixty gigs more
1: than I'll ever need. Yeah, that's an insane yeah, amount of stuff. I think I think you'd find Zach. That, how I mean, how much did you pay for your iPod Video? I don't know. 80, it was a, It was a prize. That's the, pro- That's the the thing is the prices the the prices haven't like gone I, up. Apple the doesn't
0: price... change the prices on their products. They they change the features every year to make them more appetizing
1: well. If anything without they've gone the slightly down over time because I think the so, iPod yeah. Touch was costing like three to five hundred dollars when it first came out, oh. and now it's like two to four hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. What is their profit I, margin on these say, things? It's pretty healthy.
1: Oh it's, <laughs> yeah, it's certainly pretty healthy. I mean, once they start having sales problems, that may change, but. Hasn't been hasn't been a concern They're for, them for a long time.
2: But like my iPod's gonna die on me, and I can't afford to get a modern one. I mean that kind of bugs me, and doesn't it bug Apple even a little? Like if they lowered their price even by fifty bucks, so that what? the iPod, uh, the thirty-two gig iPod Touch cost two fifty or two hundred instead of three hundred dollars, I think they'd get a whole lot more people interested in it.
0: Maybe, but they've got a bunch of really brilliant mathematicians and marketers that figure out price points for all that shit. Mm.
1: I think I they mean, know I where agree, the sweet Zach, spot is for their products. It's it's not cheap, but I I I never I've never felt like in the iPod Touch or any and really any of the iOS devices are. I, I don't feel like you're getting ripped off for those devices. I feel like the amount of engineering to get those devices the way they want them is is i
0: read a good analogy earlier this week i think it was probably on daring fireball so obviously it's like super fucking biased but um (laughs) it was basically like you know if you walked into a ferrari dealer and looked at the cost of the parts that went into a ferrari you'd be like holy shit this ferrari is really fucking overpriced you'd be like no because it's a motherfucking ferrari like (laughs) how much you're not paying for the parts you're paying for the engineering and the design and that's a lot of what you're paying for with apple products i see Zach, and it's, it's why does the overpriced. 3ds
2: cost so much? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. That's
0: a whole different story.
1: Zach, what I would suggest to you, since like price is sort of an issue with you know replacing your iPod, no. and because I don't get the impression you're particularly married to the idea of owning an Apple product, no. Fuck, go on eBay and buy a Zune. Those have got to be or fucking buy clearance an iPod, prices by now.
0: Buy, oh, buy last generation's iPod. Yeah, oh. that too. I mean, I Apple really, sells those refurbished. But I, I
2: want to be able to play games on
1: it. Uh, well, you could buy last games.
0: generations. You could buy last generations iPod Touch on Apple's
1: on store. They sell them on okay. the clearance hey, section. Uh, hey, um, uh, uh Zach, talk to talk to former staffer Grant Buell. Okay. I'm willing to bet he's going to be selling his iPod Touch in in a few months. You're going to write that down for myself because he's right buying now. an iPhone and he's he's buying an iPhone in December and he has a 64 gig iPod Touch right now. Oh. or just two, get a friend
0: who works at the Apple Store because
1: they can get you. They can knock 15 off. Two you. years old. I'm not sure what he'll ask for it. But it's the most an iPod Touch has has for, as far as storage is concerned. So he may ask for a little bit more for it. But talk to him because my guess is he may uh, he may be looking to sell.
2: I've got a uh, Mike. You you said Apple uh, Apple friend. I don't have a friend at the Apple store, but I have a friend who's the biggest Apple apologist you've ever met. I mean, he he makes you sound like a hater for Apple. I mean, Apple could sell all their stock tomorrow and go into the construction industry. And he would find a way to put a positive spin on that. (laughs) It irritates me.
1: Do we have any other news, gentlemen? No. I think that's – I think we've been done with news for 15 minutes now actually, so (laughs) –
3: come off a about a week-long love affair with this chick named Zelda. Um, (laughs) She she gave me a Skyward Sword, if you know what I mean.
2: Whoa!
4: Man, Zach's not even here. This (laughs) This is great. But uh, yeah, so I brought Neil on to um, talk about Skyward Sword. Um, Yeah. He's uh, beaten the game now, and he's written his review. uh, Yeah,
3: and you will will have read the review by the time this... episode is up, so that's true. I guess I'll, I gave it a 10, and it was a very hard-fought 10, because uh, I was actually talking to Scott before the show about how I believe I tweeted something about, like, anyone who gave this game a 10 is crazy, or something like that, and then kind of as I worked through it, like, in my head, I was like, you know what, it's, it's good, it's not that good, but just as I kept on playing more of it, I fell more in love with the game, until it got to the point where I feel like if I gave it anything less than a 10, it was just because I didn't want to give it a 10, so that that's that's when it just was clear to me because basically all of my, all for the most part all my complaints they're they're really really nitpicky, and the overall game is fantastic, and any Nintendo fan who doesn't get this game is crazy
4: <laughs> you you've heard it here first um and i'll I'll just let everyone know who's listening that this should be a relatively spoiler free chat um we're gonna kind of talk overall themes of the game um controls and stuff like that. But down the road, probably next episode, or at least within two episodes here, um, Andy, who's playing the game now, will join me, yeah. and probably other staff members by that time. And uh, we'll probably get into a little bit more of a, yep. a spoiler chat. Um, and you can now, also, you-
3: um, I'll, I'll plug my my little bit on the live show um, for the NWR live podcast for for Child's Play. That's on Saturday, November nineteenth. So a week after you hear or after this is posted, um, I'll be doing an hour long segment um i believe it's the second or third segment in the entire i think it's for hour three of the live show so i think we're pretty much guaranteed to be running it but i'm going to be hosting a kind of round table on skyward sword with a couple people from other outlets that are also reviewing it so you know we might we might have some professionals in there in addition to you know the amateur that i am and andy (laughs) might be a part of that too depending on how far he is in the game at that point
4: right well, great. Uh, so yeah, so you should be safe from spoilers here, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But um, I, I guess kicking things off, I, I wanted to start with Control specifically, because I know, I think that was your initial gripe. And we even got an email a, a little while ago, we've been kind of holding it on until um, we had this conversation, from a uh, user Tansun, or Tansun, or Tansun, I'm not entirely sure how you would pronounce that. But Write um, pretty... in and tell us how yeah. you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Connectivity right at the...
3: nintendoworldreport.com Exactly.
4: Phonetically <laughs> spell that for us. Um, he had a pretty long email. I'm not going to read the entire thing here, but let me um, let me read the first paragraph here. Uh, he says, In episode 3, you discussed Skyward Sword's control scheme and how it never really came to mind that you have to use the Motion Plus with it. I got to play the demo of PAX, and ever since then, the Motion Plus controls come to mind every time the game is brought up. Unfortunately, I don't mean that in a good way. I found the controls awkward, frustrating and unintuitive and it was easily the least fun I have have had playing any Zelda game the worst part is I don't think it would have been as much of a problem if they had gone with the standard control screen in, instead of motion plus um, he goes on his email to kind of talk about some of the various struggles he had um, basically kind of orienting the controller and getting it to do quite what he wants um, and then he also says that he did calibrate the controller before playing so that shouldn't have been an issue um, but yeah but i know neil i think initially you had maybe a similar well
3: i think i would also say i mean give the the, give the caveat with the demo i mean it's a work in progress so i mean i don't think there was really any huge issues with the demo um but that could have been part of the reason why you had trouble with it because it wasn't the finished product but even still i I did notice yeah
4: i was i'm sorry i was gonna say i just wondered to explain it in that environment if there was any sort of interference or anything yeah um, well i actually that, that um, famous miyamoto demo where he couldn't get yeah. the game to really work um the demo
3: was leaked um I, I don't know how it was leaked but basically neo Gef has been talking up a storm about it and people have like analyzed it they've actually basically pulled out details on the entire game's plot from from this demo that uh that's it's started first appeared at e3 2011 and has been in basically every possible show nintendo has been at since um and I believe uh I think there's some they, they found some sort of date on it and it's from like late two thousand ten so I mean that demo is a year old at this point it was already right. a number of months old when it was first shown, and it's been a couple of months since that so i mean that 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 could be a little of your troubles there, but I do have to say from you know going to this game you know i I had played the demo, but not to the point where, you know, I memorized it or anything. I kind of more just, you know, played the demo to enjoy the demo. I think I only really played the dungeon area once during E3. And at New York Comic Con, as I mentioned in the other episode, I basically just, you know, was going through the motions because I wanted to get a free t-shirt because that, that I, that's how I am. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice t-shirt, by the way. Um, but what I did notice from playing this game is that when I started off, I was kind of frustrated by the controls i wouldn't say that they were bad or that they were unresponsive but it's just like i didn't quite get it and i know i've i've talked scott i think i even talked to you about this i've talked to this with a lot of people when i first started playing it about how i always kind of see the the zelda the 3d zelda games as as kind of this like incremental upgrade i mean yeah they all follow the same general formula but there's like little improvements each way and having you know replayed ocarina wind waker um, bits and pieces of twilight princess over this past year i've noticed that even more so like in ocarina of time 3d i kind of was reminded of like kind of how boring that the combat is in that game it's really it's really really simple and basic and then in wind waker they add the parrying system and then twilight princess they add even more on top of that with the parrying. and then you do all these different moves that i mean that's that kind of like that was that, that was the moment that clicked with me in twilight princess was when I think it's you get like the second or third sword power. It's it's been five years since I fully replayed this game. <laughs> well, replayed this game, I've never fully replayed it afterwards. But I just remember, you know, doing those motions where like you'd spin around the enemy and pop up. Like I, I love doing that. Right. And when I was playing Skyward Sword, it's like the combat at first didn't really seem wholly different. Like it just felt like it didn't feel like a leap forward, it felt more like a sidestep. And that's kinda how the game felt in general, is that it kind of was like this like this fuzzy recollection of what the you know Twilight Princess and Wind Waker and Ocarina were and it was just kind of like yeah this is just like kind of an alternate universe take on that with motion plus it's crazy um and that that was really for probably you know the first 5 hours or so that was my experience with the game and it's not not i, I didn't think it was bad at all i it's still a Zelda game and that's really i mean you you can say what you want about Phantom Hourglass but when that shit goes on a on an N64 or a GameCube or a Wii you know you're getting quality even if it's Link's Crossbow training cuz let's get real Link's Crossbow training for what it was <laughs> Is actually kind of good, um, and uh, but I mean it's a great. It, it was a great game. It just the controls weren't really selling me on it. The combat wasn't really selling on selling me on it. And I don't really know when it clicked, but probably you know somewhere between five and ten hours into the game, or maybe even more, everything just clicked for me in motion. Uh, like. I feel like going back to any other Zelda game, I, I toyed with replaying Twilight Princess kind of after this because I, I, I sent my copy off to Andy so he could play it before he has a baby. Um, but I, I thought about going back to play Twilight Princess, and I don't know if I could, because the controls in this game are kind of that they're that big of a deal. They, they make the game that much better. Like I mean that there are bosses there are bosses and combat sequences and even puzzles that straight up could never be done in a Zelda game. Except for with these controls, and that's that's kind of what this does. Is uh, the abstract to my review is actually with it's something along the lines of with one game, Nintendo justified the existence of Wii Motion Plus, and it's true. Like th- this is it's that good. At least with the controls. I mean, I could ca- I could hear people you know picking apart some of the structure of the game. Personally, I won't. I think it's very good. But as far as the controls, like it's it's wonderful. And I, you know, you might run into some calibration issues. But the cool thing is that it actually doesn't use, um, or at least I guess maybe it doesn't entirely use a sensor bar as a pointer. It uses like Wii Motion Plus. I think like Conduit 2 does it and maybe another first-person shooter or something like Red Steel 2. But sure. like there was actually one point where, well, I guess what you do is that uh, I think when you have the, the game paused, you can just tap down on the D-pad and it'll just kind of make the, like, like where you're pointing will be the new center. So okay. I actually kind of like, I was like lazily sitting on my couch and I actually had my hands like kind of above my head with the, the, the pointer on the Wii remote pointing away from the TV and I just calibrated it there. And i it. was, it, you know, it was pretty terrible because I basically had to play like backwards. Um, <laughs> but like I could do it, like I could do it where I'm pointing away from the TV and I could, you know, point on screen and like fire the beetle and guide it around and stuff. It was, it was really difficult, but the fact that I could do that, you know, that's kind of novel. Um, but really, just the way everything feels, I mean, like, it's it's smooth, it's like, there's kind of like no break in gameplay, and I know that this was something that I think Miyamoto or Anuma talked about in E3 2010, when they showed the first demo, the idea of that, um, you don't, you know, you don't have C buttons, you don't go into the menu screen to change items, it's kind of like, you, you know, you press the B button, and a kind of overlay will pop up on the screen, like, there's no, there's no stoppage of time. Um, and you just kind of you know point to the weapon that you want, you know, you could have the the slingshot, and you're just like, oh, ah, screw it, I, I need the bombs here, and you do that and everything's still going on around you, but that just works because there's really like no pause in gameplay. I mean, you can go, there's a there's a gear screen, there's a map screen. but when you're actually in it, it's like combat gets intense because you don't really have a way out. And even more so because in this game, they have shields that can break, um, which is kind of kind of a dick move. I <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be completely honest because um so they got these shields that you can get um and I I wrote about this a little bit this might be a little spoilery so just kind of like go ahead a minute um but they have shields and you start off with a wooden shield and that you know get burnt by fire and then the metal shield has a weakness against electricity which is kind of cool um yeah. because it makes it so it's not just a better bigger better deal and then later there's a shield that you that you can buy and you have to buy all these. I think you might be given the initial one, but after that you're you're never given a shield. You have to buy them. Um and there's a shield that will protect against both of it, but it's really brittle. But it like recharges health. It's it's kind of weird and the shields don't break just from regular use. It's when you misuse it. So basically you have to do this kind of shield bash move that will um that will kind of like deflect enemies' attacks and stun them. And if you don't do that right, your shield's going to break in like three hits. And it's a bitch because you can upgrade them with all the stuff that you collect, and you can do that with pretty much every weapon in the game. But if that sh- that upgraded shield breaks, you're screwed. You need to buy the basic shield and upgrade it up again.
4: And start over, wow. Yeah.
3: And there's even there's even another part regarding the shields later in the game that I, I, I can't talk about. But um, I actually missed it on my first playthrough, but then someone told me about it. And it's another thing where it's just like, it just seems like a real dick move, but I, I kind of like it. It's 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 a little brutal in that regard, but I think also, and I think once again, uh, someone like Anuma or one of the developers on the game made a comment about how if the shields didn't break, you would be too overpowered because you'd always be right. protected. Right. And I, I well, just I, guess, I just I talked a whole lot, so.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's just another step in sort of fleshing out the combat and making it. More, yeah. I mean, like you said, like making it more important to the game and not just like how it was in Ocarina of Time where, you know, it's just, you press a button and that's it. Yeah, it's like c- combat,
3: got... combat is a gigantic deal in this game and some of the bosses are spectacular because of it. Some of them still kind of suck but for the most part they are they are excellent because well, you, you legitimately have like the sword in your hand that's That's what you're moving around, and there's a boss there's several boss battles with that, actually the, the first one in the game, which was at the, the E3 2011 demo, and is also you know the demo that's been circulating uh, with Girahim, the, the the big villain in this, and the first boss right off the bat, it's not the typical you know rule of three or anything. It's not even like you know like how you go to the end of the, the deco train. it's Queen Goma. no, you're fighting the guy who's basically the recurring final boss, mm-hmm. and you fight him at the end of the first dungeon. And, I mean, it's a sword fight. It's a straight-up sword fight.
4: Wow. Well, that that's something I was going to ask, too, was as far as boss structure, I've kind of been hearing that it's not so much how it was in the past where you get an item in the dungeon and then that item is, like, key to beating the boss. It's, it's you agree that that's It's kind of case? weird.
3: Because um, it's, like... Uh, someone was asking, actually asking me this question. I think it was uh, what staff member Nick Bray I think mentioned it about asking uh, or saying he was disappointed that the Overworld doesn't seem to be as expansive as as, as in Twilight Princess, um, which I don't really think is a bad thing because I thought that the the Overworld in Twilight Princess was really big and barren. But that's just me. Um, and the way this kind of works is that you you know you start off in Skyloft. That's you know the whole introductory sequence, which isn't as long as Twilight Princess. Thank Christ. <laughs> um, but then you, you have the bird, the loft wing that you can fly around and that's basically your overworld. It's almost kind of like the ocean and wind waker. Um, you know, like you have a lot of downtime when you're going between places. Sometimes it gets a little monotonous, but you know, you use motion, motion plus the whole time during that to control everything with the bird, which is still kind of funny. They have like, um, when you swim and when you're flying with the bird, you just use motion plus. And I still would find myself holding the Nunchuck, moving the analog stick around, trying to control it. I'd be like, why isn't he going? Oh yeah, I need to tilt it with Motion Plus, not with the not with the analog stick. But so you go around there, there's a lot of side quests there. There's actually one side quest that I feel is worth mentioning because I actually saw someone on Twitter talking about the uh the Majora's Mask one where you need to get like the, the couple together, and it's also like you can take the love letter and give it to the demon who's in the toilet or whatever. Mm-hmm. There is something that basically is that in this game, and it took like I first did it, and I was just kind of like, "Well, that's weird." And then it it took someone mentioning Majora's Mask to me that I was like, "Oh my god, that's why it seemed so familiar." <laughs> um, so that's kind of that's kind of novel how they did that. I mean, they they brought in an aspect from an older game that. You know, I mean, this is this is the culmination of, in, in my eyes, the entirety of 3D Zelda's, and that's kind of what I I feel like 3D Zelda. Every new 3D Zelda should be. It shouldn't just be the next game. It should be like you saw those other ones. We're bringing the best parts of that into the here, right? Um, but out. but what were you? Oh yeah, so so the overworld, the overworld in the air. There's a lot of side quests, little small islands you can go to, and then there's these different pillars in the air that like these pillars of light that kind of act as beacons. Um, and that's where you go to the, the I guess, the underworld. It's the, the land beneath the clouds. Um, and that's where it's kind of you drop into these, like, sandbox areas almost that are that are kind of linear. So you drop down in these areas that are kind of linear as you kind of work your way through. But it's like these different sandbox areas. So, you know, in the, in the first area, it's the forest. And you drop down and you'll go through a couple paths. And then it'll open up into this area, you know, with, with the token big tree. And you'll, you know, complete a lot of puzzles and stuff in that area. And then you'll move on to another area and, you know, do some stuff there. And then you'll go to the dungeon. But it's like, along that way, you 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 got a new weapon. Um, and you're basically solving puzzles to get there. Um, so it's kind of like the moment you hit the ground, you're in a dungeon. As opposed right. to, you know, you're just kind of... Maybe you need to get a certain item or something to progress and you have to walk down a path. But no, it's like you're you're solving puzzles to get to the dungeon. Um, and there's some spots where I got through the area and I'm like, when, when's the dungeon going to happen? I'm like, oh, I just beat a boss. I guess what I just went through was the dungeon. It's not really a formal dungeon. It kind of, it's sneaky about it.
4: Right. It's not like a a building you walk into or some kind of structure and then that's the dungeon and then you can leave at any time. It's, it's kind of the whole environment once you, yeah.
3: And I mean it does still retain that structure, you know, there's a there's a pretty rigid three act structure to the game. You still have, you know, collect these three things, then collect more things, then collect more things, then then win. Um but it just kind of works because the way it, it just keeps it fresh throughout the entire time. You know, you're not just you're not just, you know, go to this town, get into the dungeon in this town, bail it's like, you go to this area, you do this new thing in this area, you get a new weapon, and then you do this thing and then you get a new weapon, and you go through this thing that you've never done before and is really cool looking and and then leave.
4: <laughs> um, and then I guess like I had uh, asked uh, originally, as far as the bosses then, is it kind of like where when you get a new item, you know it's going to be key to fighting the boss, or is it more like you kind of utilize everything you have to that point?
3: Um, I'd say a lot of the bosses kind of I mean, probably because of the triumph of the sword play is that you know the the sword play is very good. So there are some mm-hmm. bosses, like for example, um, not to spoil too much, but in the first dungeon, um, that the the boss involves a sword fight, and right. of course you're not gonna like, oh, we're fighting with swords. Oh, I'm gonna shoot the beetle at you and go around and collect <laughs> something. Like you're not gonna do that. Right. Um, there's some that you know it's kind of like I guess almost rote a little bit, isn't you know shoot in the eye to win and stuff like that. You know, we've Mm -hmm. we've all done that before. But there are some that use items in creative ways. Um but most of them I would say, you know, requires good sword work. Sure. And Um. and they're they're devious. Sometimes like I'll I'll be staring at a boss being like, what the hell do you do? And it doesn't really have that that like that win button where you're kind of just like, you know, Navi's holding it and Navi's over it. You just start the boss and it'll be like, oh look, it's if you use this weapon to do this, you're gonna win. Right. Like your your character, your your Navi character, which is actually like this personification of the Master Sword, which is what you're trying to build throughout the game. Um, I don't think that's a spoiler. It's like on the <laughs> friggin' box. <laughs> um, it happens within an hour of the game starting or something like that. Um, but she'll like at first just be like, ah, oh, you know, this is this boss. Maybe you need to try to figure out something with that. And then mm-hmm. it'll be like, Do you want more info? And you click more you click more info and it'll just be like, ah, I got nothing right now. And then <laughs> like as you go as you go through the boss, you know, maybe I, I think it might actually work like if you die and come back, it'll kinda you know, she'll pop up and be like, ah, this is what you gotta do. Sure. Um but it's basically like as you kinda like, you know, it gives you time to try to figure it out on your own. Which is right. I feel the great triumph of Nintendo's attempt at doing the super guide in general, is that it doesn't just give you the win button. At the press of a button, it makes you kind of work for it, right. um and it is cool that in this game, I, I mentioned this in the review that there's there's basically like a a pretty deep like FAQ slash walkthrough in the game, um because not only do you have Phi, you know to to go to for for advice and she also like you know when you're when you're in the environment you can ask her for advice or a hint or something. And, you know, she'll give you some details about that. Sometimes it's, like, kind of vague. It seems like she does, like, you're trying to ask her about something, and she's just like, wow, this lava's really hot. Um, <laughs> and you're like, no, I want to know, you know, how I collect that item. Like, I don't care about the, I know it's hot. I fell into it. I was burning. Like, <laughs> right. come on now. Um, But then in addition to that, you have the Sheikah Stones, which if you played Ocarina of Time 3D, it functions the same exact way as it does in that, where you actually okay. have to, you have to back out to an area, um... This is it's it's in Skyloft this time, and there's a few others that show up, but you, you'll find them when you get there. But there's one in Skyloft that you can back out to it and see the little hint video for it. Um, but I mean, it's a pain in the ass to back out out to it. But pro tip: um, if you're in a dungeon, just save in the dungeon, then go check the then go check the hint. And then just turn the game off and reset, and you don't have to worry about getting back to the dungeon.
4: Yeah, well, there you
3: go. But that is one thing worth noting. Uh, saving in this game is done differently, as you, you have to save in, at these bird statues that are liberally sprinkled throughout the game. Oh, which, that's
4: right. Yeah, you can't just save anyone. Yeah,
3: I don't camp. think it's... I actually think it's better for the series, because you do get to that point where it's not like you save and turn off the game, and it's like, oh shit, you start back off in the Temple of Time. Too bad. Use your ocarina oh, and get sucks. there, maybe, if you got it yet. Yeah. Um. In this case, you know, you just save and you basically start exactly where you saved. So it's awesome. And you can also use that to kind of get around a little bit. Although I feel like it's a little clumsy because like when you're in the, there's, you know, the different individual areas underneath the clouds. There will be bird statues that you find. And then when you come back to that area, you can just go to the direct area. But I don't think there's a way like, let's say, you know, I'm in the forest and I want to get to the other side of the forest. I would have to back out to the sky and then go back down. There was no way to be like, jump from this bird statue to this one. Mm, which okay. I feel like would have been more convenient because I actually did, did, did use that a few times. Right. Um, um Yeah.
4: I, <laughs> in regards to combat and then, and then we can move on from that. Um, we've talked about bosses now, but what about just standard enemies that you fight? I mean, they've kind of touted so far that you kind of had to pay attention to enemy movement and attack them in certain ways or in different places. I mean, is that, common you know no matter what enemy you're fighting and did you find that that made combat better or did that kind of was that grading it makes combat
3: tougher but yeah like you do get to a point where i mean early on it's a pain in the ass and that's probably where where people will complain that's that's where i complained but then you just kind of learn that like all right i can't screw around here you know i i need to pay attention to what he's doing and you do get to a point where you're just kind of like slice right slice left dead and like just very very quick and then there's a few moments throughout the game where you just have to fight a lot of enemies and it, you know they they give you enough opportunity to kind of learn how to play the game that you basically just get put in this situation that when you first started you would just get your shit wrecked but you just mow everyone down it's awesome right and right. that there okay. are i, I mean right at this point i i beat the game a few games I beat the game a few games ago i beat the game a few, <laughs> few days ago and i've been just kind of you know thinking back on it and there's just a lot of moments in the game where it's like I walk into a room and like there's like arrows raining down on me, and like enemies jumping out at me, and then I just mow everyone down, and like you you know you you back out you you pull at the bow and arrow and you go into the first person mode and you're just like, bam, bam, got you guys, oh, you're trying to hit me with your sword, Oh, too bad, I'm gonna get you now like it's so rewarding in a way that combat has never felt for me in a Zelda game before,
4: Wow okay so yeah, yeah so but it didn't it didn't ever get annoying to the point where you just wanted to get through enemies but you had to like stop and slow down and take your time like it was i mean wild.
3: there are definitely i mean there are some tougher enemies that you face later in the game but once again it's like they, they do have that kind of mechanic where like there will be an enemy that they kind of tout as a boss and then you will find that enemy as like maybe like you know like two of them as a mini boss and then near the end sure. of the game which is kind of like they just show up regularly like it, it has that kind of structure. Like I'm sure. trying to. There was another game that I played recently that had that same kind of thing, where it was just like they built this one thing up as a boss, and then it just became a regular enemy as you progressed. And that that this does like Skyward Sword does that a little bit. Not not that ridiculous, but enough to that that it's worth noting.
4: Okay. Um, when I think of Twilight Princess, I, I think with that game they really tried to make it a very cinematic experience. You know, there are a lot of cutscenes and. I think I've talked about it before on on the podcast or at least on newscast, but specifically, I think of that moment where you enter the town on on your horse, and then I think it's like the goblins run away with the children, and then you square off like on the bridge, and I think it's raining and stuff, and it's just like big dramatic showdown, like you know, from like horseback and stuff, and I mean, and then there's like in, no
3: scenes like that in the entire rest of the game. Yeah, I know what you mean it, now.
4: Pretty much, yeah. But
3: it's <laughs> there's a few there's a like, few good scenes that like I don't want to sell. I. I I have shit on Twilight Princess a lot, and I think it deserves to get (laughs) shit on, but not that much, because as I was saying about Skyward Sword earlier, it's still a fucking Zelda game. It's still really good. It's just that we hold them to a higher standard.
4: Right. Does Skyward Sword attempt that same sort of, um, I guess, cinematic feel? Or maybe even more so? The
3: very basic thing that I have to say is that compared to Twilight Princess, one, I actually give a shit about Skyward Sword story a little bit, and also it makes sense. There was like, there was like a part where it's just like, oh, look, there's like shadow links or something. And I was like, this is going to get really cool. And then it just never got followed up on. Maybe right. I missed something, but like, I distinctly remember the scene and like, you know, like hitting my friend, I was playing it in college and I was like, hitting my friend, I was like, dude, shit is going to go down. And then just never talked about it again. Like, it's just kind of <laughs> like Link had this nightmare where there were shadow versions of him that were going to kill people and like, just never talked about again. Whereas this oh, yeah. game, they kind of follow up on everything. It's a very coherent story. You know, the the cutscene direction is is very good. The localization is impeccable. Um, there are, I'm I'm pretty sure because um, I, I played this. Um, I was playing a little bit of it, like when I was hanging out with friends, so they could watch it. And there were some story parts where, like. People were calling out like kind of like kind of sly pulp culture references to to things that I I forget, I forget I wish I could remember what was mentioned to see if other people would notice it too. But there were just a few things where it's just like maybe like that could just be a coincidence, but I think it might be referencing something else. And they they do have actually a couple like Zelda series references. Like I believe someone at some point says like you know it's dangerous to go alone. Take this, and they gave you something.
4: <laughs> Perfect.
3: And I I do love the moment where um when you have like the the bird race early on um like the, the wing ceremony which is kind of the focus of the introduction and one of the guys talks about how like this is the 25th anniversary of our event which is another <laughs> it, it's really cheesy but it's really cool and there's actually sure. like it's down to the point where like in this game there's actually like part of the title card is the logo for the 25th anniversary so oh, okay. i mean this game really is i mean maybe not for every game in the series it's kind of the culmination of it but definitely like, from Ocarina of Time to Skyward Sword, it's just like a celebration sure. of, of it, 3D it seems, Zeldas.
4: And it seems aware of its own legacy. Yeah. Um. Great. Well, we've gone quite some time now. I mean, I, I think this is pretty good, I, I guess. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything you just want um, to to say before we get out of here?
3: One, if you, if you ever liked Zelda games, if you call yourself a Nintendo fan, if you want to play your Wii, like buy this fucking game, <laughs> put that on the back of the box. Like if you actually want to play your Wii, buy this fucking game. Neil Ronaghan, <laughs> Nintendo <World> Report. <laughs> Guarantee there will right. be people like buying Modern Warfare Three, being like, "Well, maybe. I mean, I do like the Wii. I'll just get Modern Warfare Three on Wii instead." Um, but well, I actually had something relevant I was going to say, but then I I got sidetracked by my own stupidity. Um. <laughs> But this game is really, really good. Um, to the point that after I beat it, uh I, you know, did the nice thing and shipped it off to Andy so he can beat it and write about it and talk about it with me and then you know, be able to play it before he has a ki- his kid, which I think should happen mere days after the game officially comes out. So I'm I glad say, to yeah, that, I'm cool. glad to help him out and you know, he can make his earnest try to try to like beat Zelda in a week and a half before he has his kid. Um <laughs> But I really kind of wanted to replay the game almost immediately after I played it. And I've never had that feeling with a Zelda game before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love Ocarina. I love Wind Waker. I love Twilight Princess. I'll, I'll say loved because I don't know. Like, I tried replaying that game. I couldn't do it. I actually finally got to the second dungeon and then just kind of got bored and stopped playing. And, like, I I, I, I always referred to that three-day opening as my bottleneck. But I got past that. I still don't really want to play it anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't appeal to me that much like it's okay but it's neither here nor there but even right. even with ocarina time 3d when i replayed that and you know it's been probably 10 years since i replayed ocarina so it was kind of you know uh like a you know i remembered a lot of it but it was still kind of fresh and the only reason i played any of master quest was because i was reviewing it and i felt obligated to with this one it's like i really wanted to play that second quest like i wanted to start back up again and I guess as a final tease, um, they do actually tie this in to the overall like arc of the story, and it's kinda cool how they do it. Um, like uh pretty much my immediate thoughts after watching the end credits was I can't wait for, you know, all the the, the rabid Zelda fans to play this game and analyze the crap out of it and see where it fits in the timeline. I can't wait to talk about, you know, this game's the the gameplay and, you know, the story and everything about it with people. So yeah, I, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait for people to play this game because it's super super good and I will be shocked if people don't love it
4: well great and yeah your <laughs> opportunity to uh, talk about it at length is quickly approaching here Yeah, <laughs> so you, you yep, won't yep. be alone anymore
3: yeah and uh, yeah live show next week and you know send in any questions that you have and we'll answer it you know when we can embargoes permitting there you go
0: Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, just like Neil said, don't forget you can always email us your questions and comments to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Uh, we've been loving all the feedback we're getting from you guys. We're really trying to make the show interactive, so it helps, uh, it helps a lot when you contribute in the way that you are. Also, if you got the time, uh, drop us a review on iTunes. We'd love it. Also, don't forget about our Child's Play uh, Marathon show next Saturday, and we'll see you next week.